Welcome back to another insightful episode of the MicroConf podcast. I'm Rob Walling, and this week we have a MicroConf tactics episode where Anar Volset and I discuss, will the Silicon Valley bank collapse affect your startup? This is from a YouTube live stream that we did on Monday, March 13th, and we are pulling the audio from that feed. If you'd like to see the full video, that's at microconf.com slash YouTube. In this conversation, we briefly summarize what caused the collapse, and then we look at what it looks like moving ahead and how you as a startup founder can hedge yourself against collapses like this. Before we dive into that, MicroConf US and Denver tickets are sold out. That's happening in just a few weeks, but I do believe a few tickets will become available. So to get on the wait list, if you want to join me and 200 of your closest bootstrap founder friends, head to microconf.com Americas. And if you're looking to level up your sales game and you don't want to leave your cozy house, MicroConf Remote is happening next week, March 21st and 22nd. It's 90 minutes per day. It's all about leveling up your SaaS sales. And I'm going to be there along with four or five speakers who do sales day after day and are experts in being a founder and learning how to sell and how to up your game as a salesperson microconf.com slash remote. And even if you can't make the exact times, recordings will be made available to those with tickets. And with that, let's dive into my conversation with Anna Volset on will the Silicon Valley bank collapse affect your startup? And we are live. Welcome to this fun live stream from <laughs> MicroConf Tiny Seed about how will the Silicon Valley bank collapse collapse affect startups. I'm Rob Walling, co-founder of MicroConf and Tiny Seed, host of your favorite podcast about startups called Startup to the Rest of Us. And this gentleman joining me from Austin, Austin Texas, Texas, South by Southwest is Anar Volset. Anar, cool. intro yourself. Yes, my name is Anar Volset. I am a partner and co-founder of Tiny Seed. And we received over the weekend, since Friday, I've received a lot of outreach uh, asking our opinions on, um, you know, it, to be honest, before yesterday afternoon, when essentially, you know, it was announced that depositors would be made whole um, as needed by the Federal Reserve. We got a lot of questions about how, what should I do next? You know, yeah. how should I react? I think the conversation today is both, it's different than it would have been 24 hours ago For before sure. that happened, right? For sure. But it's also, um, I, there's still a lot of questions. I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened. I think most people probably know that, so we'll skip through it. Um, talk about maybe a little bit of our own experience dealing with it. Yeah. And, and then talk about, uh, you know, looking ahead, like, you know, talk about, there's a lot of conversation around, was it a bailout or not, as well as advice and actions to take moving forward to kind of ensure your financial safety. Um, yep. I think the one question that we had in the outline is like, why are we uniquely suited to talk about this? What do you think, Anar? Oh, just because a ton of our money was stuck in the SVB and we were panicking, yep. uh, maybe. So, so we dug into specifically what, and we saw like, you know, we're, we're connected to, I mean, obviously like a lot of this was tied to VCs and, you know, we are VCs and we saw a lot of the behind oh, no. the scenes machinations going down uh, over the weekend and last week. Um, so yeah, so we, we sort of lived it. We definitely had funds above 250, you know, per EIN in SVB. And, and we, we over the weekend, there was a lot of panic about, you know, what does this mean? What do we do now? Uh, what are the contingency plans, you know, and, and, and partly like, why did this happen? Right. <clears throat> so. And it's interesting when you, you know, if I didn't have money on the line, 
it, it just when you have money on the line, it makes you really dig into things and learn mm -hmm. about them and follow it closely and really get wow. into the details, you know. Sure. So obviously, uh, you know, disclaimer, this is not financial or legal advice at all. It's just two people talking on the Internet about some stuff that we two opinionated know. dudes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you have questions, we already have a few questions that have come in on Twitter uh, via YouTube and via MicroConf Connect. But feel free to ask them uh, in the YouTube chat and producer Ron will put them in our doc. So to kick us off in our two minute recap. Like what happened and what, like, why did this happen so fast? And really what was the sequence of events? Why did, why did SVB fail? So, <clears throat> so this is, um, uh, basically, a, 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 a the first like social networking bank run collapse effectively mm -hmm. is what happened. So the, the, the technical reason that kicked it off in the first place is, is kind of boring. And I think a lot of people don't fully understand it. They sort of, you know, the headlines are like, they took super risky bets and then they lost all their money and now they're getting bailed out, which sort of not, not really true for first of all, nobody, an equity holder or employee at SVB is getting bailed out. Um, the, you know, and um, so, so that's a, that's a big change, but fundamentally what happened was, so VCs Silicon Valley bank was the largest bank for VCs and startups. And as everyone knows, in like 2020 and 2021, like a lot of like these startups and VCs raise a lot of money. And most of the time they put their money in SVB for just structural reasons, basically. It was the default gold standard bank to put your money in. So from SVB's perspective, what they then did, the mistake that, that triggered this whole thing was, Oh, usually what they do with these deposits are they don't they don't gamble them on like, you know, super risky assets. They're just looking to get, you know, some return um, on deposits. And so what they used to be doing was buying government backed uh, short duration. So like a year long bonds um, and they were doing that. But then in 20, I think in 2020 or 2021, for whatever reason, they started to, instead of buying bonds that were one-year expiration, they started to buy them that were doing like 10-year expiration. Um, well, yeah, so there were basically- know, The longer yeah. your duration of your bond, if interest rates change, when interest rates go up, your bond values drop. Yeah, right? so the, the, the challenge, yeah, the challenge became basically like they had 10-year 10 10 year bonds with like 1.6% interest in an interest rate environment where you know, now you can get four and a half, five percent guaranteed from the feds. So that that was the problem they had. Now, th there was no I mean, again, like what how risky were they? They were still government backed. There was nothing wrong here. Like in, and basically the, the the difference was they had some of these like what we call AFS available for sale and some they were planning to hold to maturity. So if you you know, you don't lose the money, even if you have a low interest rate, you know, even though the value of the bond goes down you don't actually lose any money as long as you plan to hold it to maturity. The challenge is, um, you know, they basically didn't, what they decided to do was to just to crystallize that loss and, you know, in order so they could free up capital and buy higher performing assets. That's fundamentally what I think they were trying to do. The, the, the problem became that um, they did that the day after, uh, uh, they, they announced this the day. Well, so what they did was they did that. And then they said, OK, in order to make sure that we're, we're already within the sort of like federal requirements for safety, in order to stay even more on the side of like of this, we're going to raise two and a half billion dollars ish of equity sale. Basically, the, the challenge was in part is that they 
announced this the day after Silvergate went under. So Silvergate was this crypto bank, and then it's basically a PR disaster from their end. They basically decided to to put that out there that you know this was happening. They'd taken crystallized this loss, and they were by the way they're raising two and a half billion dollars with the help of Goldman Sachs and like General Atlantic was putting five hundred million in. The challenge was that well, they came out the day after another bank failed with like hey. Um, we raise, we want to raise, we need to, like the impression was we need to raise two and a half billion dollars and we've only raised 500 million. And so that's what sort of triggered people to stop being like, hey, what happened? And then, and I truly believe this, I think sort of VCs caused this bank run is, is my view. So some high profile VCs then started advising their portfolio companies that they should take their cash out. Now, was this first one I heard was Peter Thiel. The first yeah, one Peter I saw was, Thiel was, the, yeah. was the first one, but certainly other VCs too. Instead of what I think they should have done, which is like, you know, basically get on a call and be like, hey, you know, like, let's not induce a bank run here. They basically induced a bank run, totally telling everybody to yank their money out. And so when that started, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, the fast, like a flash crash of deposits. And, and really what would happen then is like the problem is now you in order to, to fund all that stuff, you have to start selling things that you weren't planning to sell. SVB meeting. Yeah, because they're, they're not liquid, right? They have two hundred billion dollars of assets, but yeah. only a small percentage of that is liquid at any time. That's what a run on the bank is: is a right. bunch of people saying, "I need my money right away. I need a hundred yeah. billion of that." And it's like we don't have that in cash, right? Exactly. And actually, like even when they got shut down on Friday morning in a Pacific time, they had more than fifty billion dollars in, in in assets in excess of deposits. So th this wasn't really something where. You know, like, you know, they did, took this huge risks and then, you know, they just crashed and everyone ran. Really, like, you know, I think if a small handful, a dozen or half a dozen VCs had gotten together and been like, okay, let's show a united front in support of SVB, I, I think SVB still would have been around. Yeah. And so as of Friday, we were calculating, it's like, okay, FDSC insurance is $250,000. And yeah. When we do a capital call for our funds, because we invest in bootstrap SaaS companies, we get literally millions of dollars into yeah. bank accounts. And so what do you, you know, that's, you know, uninsured by the, by FDIC. And so we're strategizing, like, how does, you know, how does this play out? And then that essentially was assuaged yesterday afternoon when the Federal Reserve said, we're going to cover it, right? That, yeah. that they have a fund. They, they said, but what they said is, we're going to backstop it. We we have this 25 billion already in this something fund. I forget what it's called. And mm. we don't we're going to backstop it if needed, but we don't even expect to need to touch it. Yeah. Right? That's what they said. Fundamentally. Yeah. So there's no and this must be very clear. Like there's no taxpayer money going out here. You know, no. this is not this is not like the government handing cash to, you know, VCs who took a bunch of risk. This is just basically the federal basically guaranteeing deposits, but the actual actual money like there was no there'll be no money coming from taxpayers to any of the depositors it's just it it they needed to do this and you can see it on the monday morning like what happened with all the bank stock this morning this is even after all these things were guaranteed like there's a huge there would have been an enormous run on any bank that wasn't like the top four banks we would yeah. have had like i talked to several people in real estate for example who basically were saying like i got a hundred million dollars across eight regional banks we have a plan Monday morning, 8 a.m. We're going to wire everything to JP Morgan. And that would have Crazy. happened across, across the country for sure. It would have been catastrophic. Oh, yeah. Basically cause a bunch of run on additional banks because this is a contagion, right? Yeah. So that's that's the thing I wanted to say. I mean, the the whole weekend I was like, 
I'm hoping the Fed steps in because again, this is not a bailout like 2008, 2009, no. where banks themselves, the shareholders of a bank, the equity owners, the you know everybody, the CEOs and all that, they the the bank was given money to stay solvent and to stay in business. It was right. a taxpayer handout. Now it turns out the U.S. government actually made money on all that. Yeah. Did you know that through the warrants yeah. and whatever else right. and the loans they got paid back? But that's aside. This is very different from this. Silicon Valley Bank is done. It went to yeah. zero. If you owned all the equity holders, like the shareholders in SVB, they get nothing. The, the thing that the Fed is stepping in to do, and as you said, not taxpayer money, is to make startups. And these are like, look, people say, oh, startups in Silicon Valley and this and that, but like tiny seed startups, there's like, we funded 105 companies and like three right. of them are in Silicon Valley. You know, these are right. like in the Midwest. These are all over the world. And they're just small businesses that you It's honestly like some of the stuff come through that people are like, why would you, you only super wealthy people stake more than 250,000? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but okay. So how, how does this work? You know, we have a hundred plus investors and we're going to invest in 30, 40 companies. What, what are we supposed to do? Like, you know, put the money in 50 different bank accounts. Is that the prudent thing to do? I mean, it's it's a, you know, it's a nightmare of, of, of accounting, basically, to do that. So so we didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's I, I think people really misunderstand what's going on in terms yeah, they, of, um, you know, how it's doing it. That's the thing. The $250,000 FDIC limit, uh, even for individuals, okay, maybe. But, like, when you run a business of any size, you have a cash balance. I mean, you have... 30 employees, 40 yeah. employees, like your payroll, that's a two months of pay, three months of payroll, whatever. It's just not that much. Yeah. Um, that's the problem is with businesses that this amount of, you know, that amount of insurance. Yeah. And the, the, the notion, I mean, so the fundamentally what's going to happen now, and you're seeing that with Mercury and Brex and all the stuff, it's like basically that you'll have software layers on top that'll spread the risk across, you know, 30 banks at a time, you know, and that's, that's one way to go there. Now, <clears throat> here's my view of this. If you do that, then you get, I don't know, say, five million ten million dollars worth of fdic insurance i don't see why that's like you know as somebody who decides to stick money in the bank what moral hazard did i you know decide to did i take by taking cash and putting in a bank account i don't think you really understand you want a system where like basically the u.s all of u.s industry thinks that you know there's no single bank that can take more than two hundred and fifty thousand. that's a nightmare scenario for all of the U.S. industry industrial base—it's just not tenable as a as an approach. Um, and it, you know, basically, I think if 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 that had if it hadn't been rescued, I think pretty much all banks other than like the top four most likely would have gone out of business. So now you'd have four banks that are way too big to fail. You could never let them fail, <clears throat> which arguably maybe you should have done during in two thousand eight. But now they're they're so big because nobody else. He's going to trust like putting money in a local regional bank. Like, why would you? It doesn't make any sense to do so because that money could be gone. The risk. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's a huge um, risk to he. I think you had said, boy, we might be hitting a like a startup uh, winter where yeah. just the market, the bottom drops out. No one's spending money to buy companies. No one's spending investing money. Like if this hadn't been, you know, backstopped yesterday. So oh, yeah. Uh, we have tons of questions coming in. I want to get to yep. those. Hopefully that's been a good overview for folks. Obviously feeling very much relieved today. And I believe um, we're supposed to receive funds today, right? It should already be in our account in terms of... Well, yeah, what happened apparently... So, so, so famously, the Silicon Valley Bank web interface has always been atrocious. 
um, so, so yeah, so I'm not surprised, but what we were hearing is that basically all the funds are available as normal. You're just encouraged to, as soon as you can move those money into a different bank account. So a lot of people are struck are like scrambling to, to get set up with a different bank account basically so they can move it out somewhere else. Right. And so that's what's going on pretty much across the, across we've been the unable to log in thus far because their servers yeah. are down, but Can't it is what in. it is. Yeah. So first question, Martin, uh, in the tiny seat slack asks, I'd love to get your thoughts on this tweet from Modest Proposal One on Twitter. And this is a tweet. The piece I haven't read yet, but I'm very interested in is how does the tech e ecosystem change over time without SVB? The cost and ease of doing business has, uh, has to be going up meaningfully, everything from fundraising to lines of credit. I don't think the ramifications of this are very well understood. I have my own thoughts, but what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I think like, Basically, Silicon Valley Bank was, you know, pretty much the only, one of the only banking, like true banks that like would do things like provide venture debt and, and lines of credit to startups. And I think people are, I, I think the most likely outcome of this is that, and like, obviously we all know that like with the war in Ukraine and whatnot, the fundraising environment's gotten significantly harder, <laughs> uh, you know, in 2022 and going into 23. And I think a lot of the time, like you know, startups that were reasonably well capitalized, they were planning and, but maybe will struggle to raise in this environment. We're planning to, to rely on venture debt and like debt options. And I think that's become significantly harder slash impossible pretty much overnight over the weekend. And so I think what's most likely to happen is that, you know, I, I think a lot of people were predicting like a, because of people that raised so much money and all this stuff, like there's going to be like a slow moving car crash with with startups going under. I think if anything, this will this will accelerate that because the, the people who can't raise, who plan, had to raise, but were planning on relying on venture debt are not going to struggle to find those things. So I think it'll it'll accelerate, you know, death in the more traditional venture environment. I think I think that's probably true. Um, and also, I think in general, like, you know, I think this will significantly impact the appetite for people to invest money and lend money. So I think like things will slow down and freeze. And I think that's, you know, does some of the same stuff that the Fed is doing with the increasing the, the, the rate. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be another meeting in like next week about the Fed rates. And everyone's saying, is it going to be 25 basis points or 50? I wouldn't be surprised if it's nothing now because of, because of this. Because of the fear, the fear around it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, I think you're right. I think startups that rely on funding and especially venture debt are going to see it because SVB was a huge provider of, of venture debt. We don't have time to really define what that is, but just assume it's, it's loans plus they get an option to buy some part of your company called warrants. They also had, yeah, they also had a pretty significant portfolio of startup shares. Yeah. And so I think because of these warrants and, and things like that, that they had, and those are assets now to to creditors, and I think you know it'll put downward pressure on secondary prices for some of these you know mm. privately listed companies mm -hmm. if, if they're required to be sold. The other interesting thing is I have several friends who were unable to get a mortgage because they are a startup founder, and you start a company, and even if you've raised money and you know you have tons of money in the bank and you're taking you know a salary, you go to a standard bank and they don't understand it. Same thing being yeah. a venture capitalist. 
which, you know, it sounds like a first world problem, but it's like, no, I can't get money to buy a house. No one will lend me money. SVB understood that, you know, they yeah. would ask about your fund and this and that. So that's, that's going to be maybe a, not as broad of, of an issue, but certainly an impact. Our next question is from Dave in MicroConf Connect. And he asks, I just raised a friends and family seed round and, and uh, yeah, deposited it into SVB last week. It is over. I have what timing. Sorry, Dave. And it's over the $250,000 FDIC limit. It was definitely yeah. a stressful weekend. So it's it's stuff like this, like friends and family. is not a bunch of billionaires. It's like his friends and family giving him money to grow a startup to create jobs, you know, and, and he could have lost a chunk of money. His question is, the startup world understands the contagion and payroll issues that would have ensued if the government didn't backstop uninsured deposits. However, public perception, which you can already see on Twitter, is that this is just another bailout for wealthy people. How do you parse this out? And what are your thoughts? I guess we kind of already already answered this a bit. Do you have any any additional thoughts on this? I mean, I think I think this is sort of the fallout to a degree from mm -hmm. the change in sentiment about tech. So yeah. I I think broadly, some of the main press pieces has turned pretty hostile to tech since oh, about sure. you know 2012 2014. It feels like you know the usual. It feels like a missed opportunity from tech, although we saw, you know, with with the herd mentality this this week that um, I don't know how much of a community there really is. But fundamentally, I think this is the backlash of some pretty high profile VCs being class A assholes mm. uh, and sort of like, you know, it, the joke is like, you know, there's no there's no um, atheists on a foxhole and no libertarians during a bank run. Like, I think mm. some of that is playing out. There's been a lot of like often and puffing from pretty big asshole VCs who have like skewed people's perception of, of what, what this means in the economy. And so I think that there's a lot of sort of scotten free there as it were, when it comes to seeing it, it's like, let's go and get those fuckers. But mm. fundamentally, here's the thing, like those class I asshole, they're fine. Like, they, do, you, do you think they have cash stuck in SVB? No, most of the time it's, they're invested all over. You know, it's, it's really the smaller players that are, that are getting hurt for this. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's part of the reflection. Like part of the reflection is like tech has just been starting to be portrayed as this boogeyman and that's mm -hmm. sort of playing out in people's perceptions of what happened for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting that tech is, it's like Facebook and Google and Uber, they, they're not, I mean, even if they're banking at SVB at all, they're not under any danger of this. They have money no. all over the place, right? It, it really is the smaller players, the tiny seed companies, the microcomp companies, the 40, 50, 60 person startups. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that like the vast majority of jobs in the US specifically are created by companies under 50 employees, you know? Yeah. And that that's what a lot of these funds, uh, you know, were, that's where a lot of these funds were from. Next question. Yeah, so Kevin in MicroConf Connect asks, what can startups do to reduce potential fragility uh, in light of SBB? So as we move forward, what are some steps that we can be thinking about? So Yeah, I, I mean, I think, so here's my thing. I suspect that we'll get to a point where like the FDIC insurance will be, will be higher, which I think makes sense because it's like, what's, what's the value of not doing that? And you can say, oh, well, then the government is backing the, they take all the risk and stuff. You know, there are already regulations in place around what the level of risk you have to take, you're allowed to take with the money. And so, okay, if you increase the limit, you know, now the banks need to put more money into the FDIC fund to backstop more money. But I think that'll come. 
in the intermediate, you'll definitely see things like, you know, like we're, we're moving to Mercury, the, the startup bank and, and, you know, full disclosure, the founder is a friend of mine. Um, but they just today announced they have like a 3 million FDIC limit because what they're doing is behind the scenes is they take the money and then they spread it across multiple banks for everybody. And they also like are offering like insured, um, uh, you know, basically treasury management products. So this will be things that like sweeps in to get government guaranteed bonds, that sort of thing. So I, I, I sort of hope that the FDIC limit will be raised because it's, it's really, it doesn't add any business value to spend like a lot of time and effort to just move money around, like between different institutions and in and out of overnight funds and all this crap. Like that's not actually valuable stuff. No, it's, it's just something that you sort of have to do now. And, and like, I think, I think that's sort of for startups, that's what I would do. If you have significant cash, I mean, we did this too with TinySea. We would overnight, they would be swept into, you know, government funds and, and, and government insured, you know, you know uh, funds. The, the challenge was the bank got shut down on Friday during the business day. So I was joking on Friday. I was like, it'd be better if you'd shut it down like a couple hours before, because then our funds would have been with the feds. Right. So, so I think that's what will happen. People will start switching to banks and banks will start offering products that share the risk across. So you're effectively, no matter what happens with the FDIC limit, you're getting a higher FDIC limit uh, for your funds. Right. Yeah. I, I like the idea, you know, with my, per, our personal funds, I've always had multiple banks, even if one of them is like a brokerage or a retirement thing, they have, you know, an ATM and you can move money yep. in and out. So I've always had that ability. I've never done that with any business I've started. I just never thought it was necessary. So these days I would have a spare yeah. bank account. And even if you only have one month of payroll, you know, or two weeks of, or just some amount of money that you can stash away that, because the odds of of it all going away are relatively low. It can happen, but they're relatively low. But the odds of you not having any cash for a week is it, totally possible, right? Of yeah. everything being locked up for a number of reasons. We're going to take more questions. But as a reminder, if you like these types of reactions to current events and more videos about growing your startup, make sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Next question is from Trevor in MicroConf Connect. I'm curious why VCs did not encourage their companies to take out private deposit insurance for amounts over $250,000, or as we just said, to diversify their holdings across several banks, since this was a known risk factor. Was SVB just part of the good old boys network? So VCs quietly ignored the risk, or was there another reason? I will say, I'll just address the moving it around to other banks because it's a huge pain in the ass and it's a bunch of wasted labor. It's not, this does not grow our economy for me to have my ops person spending hours a month moving crap around. And, uh, you know, to be honest, the, yeah, on the insurance side too, there's no panacea yeah. there because then it's like, all right, now I have to pay for this to store money in there for presumably a short amount of time. And most of the time we have, you know, we have less, we don't have a ton of money in tiny seed because we call the money in and then it gets spread out again once it's deployed. And so now if you take FDIC insurance on top of that, A, you got to pay for it. Okay, but now are you, you know, moral hazard? Are you going to do your due diligence on the insurance company? How do you so know the insurance company? Under. How do you right. know if they don't go under? Where did they restore their bank? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, like a sort of a rabbit's hole of just one thing after another. If you, if you can't trust the system, if you need to make every piece of the financial system in the U.S. like all the inherent trust that exists there, if you need to make that explicit and charge for it you're going to add a significant friction to the economic growth in the United States. So I, I don't know that you want to do that. Like it wasn't like a good old boys network. It was just, 
Look at any business with more than four employees. They will have been in this situation in the last 12 months where they had more than $250,000 in a single bank account. They just had to. Like, it's almost impossible not to do it. Yeah, and it's do we want startups spending their time and money building a better product, finding more customers, then hiring, creating the jobs and hiring people? Or do I want them spending time screwing around, around with their like, bank account? Like the the red tape is, it's just not not what we want to be doing. Kent on YouTube asks, do you think this will affect seed funding as much as it will mature mature fundraising cycles? <sighs> You know, I think so, because I think what's happening is uh, uh, the, the challenge is like a lot of VCs, they have some folks now that maybe they thought, OK, we know they can't raise, but now they like also can't tap debt markets. I think a lot of funds will not be earmarked, at least towards propping up existing bets. So, yeah, I think it'll have an impact on on how much money flows into pre-seed and seed. Uh, I think in general, it has a chilling effect on, on the things. I think a lot of people will now be spending their time, like LPs, investors, angels, will now spend a lot of their time and effort moving money around and putting it in different places and you know worrying about this bank going to blow up, is this thing going to go away, instead of investing. I think that's true. And I, and I, think, I think it'll definitely impact seed investing and pre-seed investing. The next, we only have two questions left, and Chasely basically asks, do you think this affects fundraising for startups, or does everything reset to where it was two weeks ago? No. Nope. It sounds like you feel It was like already it. bad two weeks ago. It's even yeah. worse today. I think so. And I wonder how long that'll last. That's the thing. You just don't know, right? There's an institutional memory or a cultural memory of this. And will it take, you know, two months? Will it take six months? Does it take a year? You know, what happens? Yeah. And And the other interesting thing is if there is another regional bank failure... God forbid. You know, it's that regional banks do fail over the years. Oh, right? yeah. they, just, they just fail. Yeah. Now and all of them are going to be reported on. Every single one. Like, it, this is only like it's high profile. It's a big bank. Yeah. But also like, you know, pretty much nobody. The only instance I could find where any any depositors ever had lost any money was in the IndyMac failure. There's been mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of failures where like people don't lose their deposits. It's not coming. And actually... In SVB, I believe that I actually don't think depositors would have lost any money in the long term, even for I this agree. situation. I just yep. wouldn't have happened. Like it I just, think SVB had the assets to cover it. It yeah, just would have taken a while to sort it out. A lot of time and like a ton of other banks would have gone under. Yep. Yep. All right. Last question and then we'll wrap. And as a reminder, if you like this type of video, as well as learning how to build and grow your own startup, make sure to like it and subscribe to the channel. Jay on YouTube asks, sorry for the tinfoil hat question. Do either of you get a gut feeling that there was something bigger going on here, aka someone driving the bank run intentionally for their own gain? So there's rumors that basically um, some of the same people who were like encouraging folks to withdraw, their portfolio companies to withdraw, had short positions on the bank. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't heard anything other than rumors on that. So... I don't know. I but, wonder if there will be an investor. You know, if there's rumors, then I bet the Fed, somebody in the, you know, what the yeah. attorney general's office has to be. <coughs> yeah, because it's that's not legal. And no. so, so there is there is that. But yeah, I don't. I, I hope not. But I, I wouldn't be super surprised if something yeah. like that did happen. Yep. All right, and that is it for the questions today. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'd love to do these topical and timely live streams when things like this come up.
So final reminder, subscribe to the channel, like the video if you like this kind of stuff. Anna Volset, thanks so much for taking time out of your day. He's supposed to be at South by Southwest. Folks. I am at South by Southwest. I'm just stuck in the you know, Airbnb. In a, doing he's sitting in a hotel room doing a live stream instead. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It's uh, good to see you, man, and yep. great to see everybody. And we'll see you next time.